Sears catalogs, Montgomery Ward, um, J.C. Penney. You know, get them right before Christmas, and then you'd circle what picture, you know, the mm-hmm. things, the toys you want, you know, for Christmas. And I would be looking through the men's section, you know, going through the underwear, looking all that, looking at the men. For the whole '90s, I'd cry myself to sleep, going, "God, I don't. If you, if your word isn't true, I'm sunk. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm stuck." Yeah, it never ceases to amaze me how. I feel like you know, how the enemy is so keyed in to leading kids um, into d- the discovery of pornography and things like that in places that you would never even expect it to be, you know, necessarily. Like, it, why would why would I even go looking there? Two nights later on a Wednesday night, God poured out his spirit on our youth group, including me. And it was a revival. It was not a manufactured thing. The Lord actually mm. paid a visit to me. In some ways, part of the thing that happened was he took me from being a Martha and made me into a Mary. The reality that I was experiencing, though, and that you experienced was this this awful feeling and fear and um, anxiety around, but am I really in the kingdom? Am I really a Christ follower? And even when there's evidence that that there's fellowship, that we know him, that he knows us, and that in our lives are even changing and the and the fruit is being borne out. Even then, uh, we can still at times wrestle. I get why I like it. I understand completely why I like it and how I could gravitate it in the moment. But I want connection and that keeps me from having yes. it. Yes, yeah. friends, I'm so glad that you're here with us, whether you're tuning in through Love and Truth Network or you found us through Transforming Congregations. We're so glad that you're here. We're glad that you're going to be able to sit in on this conversation with me and my friend Joseph. Uh, we are looking forward to just uh, talking about what, what God is doing in our lives, particularly though, uh, how God has been at work in Joseph's life. We're going to be hearing his story in a little bit, and I'm excited for you to meet him and be encouraged by uh, God's work in his life and the way that he has pursued the Lord all of these years. So Joseph, thank you so much for being here. We're excited that you were able to join us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I often start off our episodes, our podcast episodes, by just inviting our guests to share 10, 15 minutes of their own story. If it goes a little bit over that, under whatever, it doesn't matter. But I'd love to for you to share a little bit about um, just your growing up years, uh, what some of the significant uh, situations in your life were, some of your uh, family of origin uh, information, and then just when you were first introduced to Jesus, when you came to know Him, and and just what what kind of difference you know has He made uh, in your life in those years since then? All right. Well, uh, and I'm new to int- being interviewed, so. Uh, We'll see how this goes, right? <laughs> It'll all uh, be good. Yeah, I think it's good for people to hear that. So I, uh, I'm i 54 years old now. Um, I was born uh, and raised on a small farm in western Oklahoma. Uh, my dad grew wheat and cattle. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, homemaker. 
and um, have four older, I mean, sorry, three older siblings. I'm the youngest of four. Um, there's some age gaps between me and the rest of my siblings. My, my next oldest is five years older mm. and then a six years older and then a 10 years old. Um, and for me that, that meant, um, some, you know, playing by myself, uh, not really getting to know, like, you know, as I got older, uh, the siblings that are, you know, older, they're going off. They, two of my siblings went away for high school. Um, the last two years, I think of their high school, they went away to Mennonite, um, high school. And so I just didn't get to see them. And then the one, the other brother that's stuck around, um, he, well, to this day, he's a teaser. So I got, I got some teasing by him that I did not appreciate when I was a, a younger kid. Um, one of the things that was significant that I'll, I'll revisit later is that, um, being raised on the farm, you know, you have to, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to be helping dad or doing stuff, you've got to, uh, in my case, you have to operate equipment, you know, tractors and stuff. And so I didn't Mm -hmm. have the strength to, um, like get really tight nuts off of bolts or, or to get them on really tight Mm -hmm. by myself. We didn't have power equipment. So it was just our, our wrenches and our muscles. And I just didn't have the strength to do that. And, and that brother that was, that I was around teased me for that. Mm. Um, from time to time, it was significant enough of a memory that I, I remember it. Mm. Um, but I didn't understand why that was, um, until many years later, uh, we were raised Mennonite, um, until I was probably around 10 is my guess. I was around third grade. So people that are good at math, they can figure that out. Mm. Uh, and then my dad had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Um, I won't go into all that story, but he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And the Lord delivered him of demonic warfare, really. Mm. And uh, and it, obviously that didn't happen in the Mennonite church. It happened outside of it. Then my dad just became a Jesus lover Im- immediately. Mm. Uh, he, he gave his life to the Lord as a young kid, and he he strongly believed that you know it's like i gave my life at 10 i've always been a believer but god delivered me at the age of whatever it was 50 something uh and anyway talking about jesus left and right became incompatible with the uh the church we grew up in just the 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 level and the nature of the conversations that my dad was having was incompatible Mm. so we uh we left and we went straight into pentecostal holiness interesting and everybody's like what you know it's like well yeah that's that's what we did um interestingly like like my my experience of pentecostal holiness in that setting was more like a charismatic when i when i step into pentecostal holiness churches today they sing hymns that's Mm. all they do they sing hymns and they have good fiery preaching right we sang we sang choruses um, so we had some old time Pentecostal people in there, um, but the experience of worship was not hymns. It was it was full on praise and worship. Mm-hmm. And I as a and it was somewhere in that time frame 
you know, I'm going to say between 10 years old and, and 12, um, I was invited to pray the sinner's prayer. There was not really necessarily any awareness in me of just sin. It was an invitation. I prayed the prayer. It was also in that time frame that, well, all my life, if I think because I was isolated, I don't know about a loner, but isolated, I talked to myself all the time. And it was in that time frame that I would I, I would go between of like I would talk to myself about, you know, what I wanted to do next year or what I like, oh, I would I want to build this little cabin, you know, and I would just sit talk out loud about all this kind of mm. stuff. And then I would and then I go, okay, now Jesus, I'm talking to you. And then I would talk to Jesus. And there I remember distinctly one day I was like, All right, here here's the deal. God, you are my creator. And I think you can figure out when I'm talking to you, when I'm not. So all of my words that come out of my mouth are for you. All of them. Mm. And so I didn't, I, I, for me, it was just like, this is getting too tedious. Uh, Let's cut out of the tedium and just everything that comes out of my mouth, even if it's bad, Mm. I'm aware that he's hearing it. Yep. And it wasn't necessarily a fear thing. Like I didn't fear what was going to come out of my mouth. It just became a relational component of I'm if Jesus is my friend, like they say, then he gets to be part of all my ideas and dreams. And that's significant to me. It's sure. been my it's been my uh every time I open my mouth today, like I talk to him, it's like uh, you know, pr- plan for my house or plan for that. Mm-hmm. The Lord's listening. Anyway, so uh, to me it's a sweet part of my my story. Yeah, absolutely, it's beautiful. Um, also in that time frame, the brother that, that, uh, was, I was around most, um, he had his own dark, uh, rebellion period. And in that, uh, he had a stash of pornography that he hid under his bed mm. and I found it and enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, I'm going to put this in this since this story's long enough. Uh, I mean, this time frame is long enough. Um, somebody from our new fellowship had a word of knowledge from my mom. It's like, you need to look under your son's bed. Hmm. <laughs> and so like the Holy Spirit, like alerted them to something going on and they confronted him. I wasn't part of that confrontation with my brother. But then my mom came to me and said, did you know that was there? Mm. And I lied and said, no, I don't know why. I mean, I probably, cause I enjoyed it, you know, but I lied and that was the end of that. Uh, I said, I would get I was going to go back. Uh, a key part of my story actually of my brokenness um it it predates school uh before i was in kindergarten and i my guess is i was probably you know four or five years old i don't know my brothers and i were with my dad um while he was mending fence and something didn't go right on his end and not saying this toward any of his sons, he said, 
I don't know what it was, but it used it involved the word stupid, like this stupid mm. fence or this stupid, you know, whatever. Yep. And Satan took an opportunity for me and it's mm. like, you're stupid. And um, I believed it in that moment. I took on, I took on an identity or a, a broken way of seeing myself. And anytime, anytime really, especially with my dad, anything that went wrong, I just felt like, man, I'm just an idiot. Mm. You know, I, I can't get things together. I'm stupid. And so that, that has been a recurring, um, wounded like, like an arrow into my soul it's yeah. it's it's stuck for years and years and years until uh until i started getting healing and understanding what was really going on hmm. um all right so my salvation i talked about that and then anyway so the the brother's pornography he got rid of it and then i found pornography in a nearby dump you know, mm. grew up on a farm. So there's, you know, people throw things out yep. in certain areas and it could have been his, I don't know. I did anyway, I found some, I took it off and I, you know, got some Tupperware or something and I, I hit it out, you know, wherever, somewhere where it wouldn't get rained on. Mm -hmm. And I would go, I would go to that, um, many times over the, over the years. And then, you know, also in that time frame, the, there was a Methodist church, not too far from where we lived. And I hung out with the the boys every once in a while there and their dad had playboys boxes and boxes of playboys this is a you know methodist pastor mm -hmm. like, what in the world how <laughs> right how is this possible doesn't seem compatible uh, doesn't seem right and then other you know other people you know anytime i caught wind that there was pornography i acted like oh we should get rid of that but i want to look at it before we get rid of it mm -hmm. <laughs> uh that was kind of just how i how i was and and um and i so that that secrecy that i kept i just kept it up i didn't tell anybody about what i was that i was looking at it it was my secret mine and the lord's because mm. uh, i knew he knew and it wasn't until after i graduated high school that i realized that what i was struggling with had a name and that it was not a good name mm. um now I, I will dive in a little bit. So like in high school, I, I had, I admired, like I looked at some of the guys and I'm like, I admired them. I'm like, they seem confident. And I really, I'm like, I don't feel confident. You know, I felt stupid. Mm. And so I was like, they just looked confident, you know? So I, I wasn't necessarily paying attention. I mean, I might've been paying attention to their bodies. Um, but in my head, what I remember is like, I just, I liked confidence and they looked confident. Hmm. And so I admired them. Um, but because in the pornography was heterosexual pornography, but I found myself looking at the men in the magazines. Yeah. And then increasingly, you know, like back then, not so much anymore, you know, we get those Sears catalogs, Montgomery Ward, um, JC Penny, you know, get them right before Christmas. And then you'd circle what picture, you know, the mm -hmm. things, the toys you want, you know, for Christmas. And I would be looking through the men's section, you know, going through the underwear, looking all that, looking at the men. So after high school, when I was like, wait a minute, there's a pattern here and it's got a name. And, you know, so homosexuality, same sex attraction. And um, I was embarrassed and ashamed mm. and afraid. And, uh, 
I didn't because I didn't, um, I didn't, well, one time I tried to talk to somebody about <laughs> masturbation, uh, and they went and told my brother, that brother that I was talking about, they went, I heard, overheard him talking to him about what I said. Mm. And I don't know if I, I don't know if I use the word masturbation. So I learned pretty quickly that you got to be careful who you talk to. And, uh, and my brother never did come back to me. It's like, Hey, I heard this conversation. I just remember them laughing about it. And I was like, uh, mm. this is awful. Yeah. And, um, anyway, so after high school, I, I, I vetted our youth pastors. So we had new youth pastors and I went to the wife because, you know, men are unsafe. Right. And I, I couldn't even say the word. I was sitting in her living room. I was like, she knew I had something to say. And I'm like, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. And I just, it was, it felt like forever. Yep. I couldn't, I could not say it. And she was like, I, I have a hunch what you're going to tell me. And if I'm wrong, forgive me, but here's what I think. And so she just said it for me. She's like, mm. are you struggling with? with homosexuality i don't know what word she used yeah uh, i was like yes and she was actually wise she took me to the pastor she's like you know our pastors he'll, he'll love you and but she knew her boundary like mm -hmm. guys need to talk to guys and she's always been that way you know it's like I, if i would say today like thank you for doing that she's like yeah it was the right thing to do mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. <laughs> you know and so we went um, of course, the the church I was in then was not Pentecostal Holiness. It was a full full on charismatic, and they believed in you know faith. It was a faith kind of church, like uh, Kenneth Hagen, yeah. Um, those those group, Kenneth Copeland, those kind of um, preachers. And and I don't know, you know, looking back, I was like, all he did was really he's like he talked to me, he asked me some questions, and then he prayed for me. Mm. And it was, you know, a powerful prayer. I felt heard because I had, you know, now I'd told two people. Right. Um, I had this prayer. So I had this sense of freedom that the Lord heard me, you know, and other people heard me, you know, that James 5, 16, you know, confess your sins to one another, pray for, for one another, that you may be healed. I felt a measure of, of relief and freedom from that, that I think is actually is spiritual, but there, you know, because the Lord set it up that we talking about it is, how we find our freedom. Um, but he didn't offer discipleship. Mm. You know, he didn't say, Hey, how are you doing? You know, if there's anything we need to talk about, come seek me out, you know, anything. He didn't offer that. And it was not long after that. So I graduated in 88. So in 89 or actually 90, it was, it was February of 1990. I had been praying about my hardened heart that, I have a hard heart, God. My mm. heart is hard. You know, I I want to look at these men in the catalogs, whatever, you know, whatever was going on at the time. And I came across Ezekiel 36, um, and I don't have it memorized. I'm sorry, and I don't have it in front of me. But essentially, it's 36, starting in verse 24, and it's like, I will I will take the heart of stone from you, mm. from you and give you a... a a heart of flesh and I will um, basically cleanse you. Um, and there's a, there's a phrase in there that actually has become important that I will cause you to walk in my statutes mm. is the phrase. And I'm like, I don't know how in the world you wouldn't, you, if we're, 
you know, this is a free will, you know, kind of a thing. And I'm like, I get to choose. I'm like, how are you going to cause me to walk in your statutes? It just didn't make any sense to mm-hmm. me. And so I'm like, so then I, so I, it became a promise. I was like, this is the Lord is speaking to me that he's going to take this hard heart and he's going to give me a heart of flesh. I'm like, I don't know how he's going to do it. Mm-hmm. And now, mind you, I'd given my life to Jesus as a kid, you know, but I've had this two tracks running of talking to Jesus and having a relationship and actually in the charismatic, you know, learning how to worship deeply and feeling the Lord's presence, mm-hmm. but also secretly you know, indulging my flesh, masturbation, pornography, all of that. Yep. So how in the world is this going to happen? You know, what is, where does the rubber meet the road for me? And I, for, for the whole nineties, all of 19, uh, of the nineties until, um, 1997, um, I was going, I'd cry myself to sleep going, God, I don't, if you if your word isn't true, I'm sunk. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm stuck. Yep. I'd, I'd heard about first on ministries through the college. Um, one of the campus ministries invited first on ministries where I work now. Um, ministry helping men and w- women struggle with sexual addiction, pornography addiction. So I'd heard testimonies of people who were struggling and I'm like, well, that's good for them. You know, <laughs> you know, but their testimonies were like, I lived the gay lifestyle I had sex with men. I'm devastated. And God saved me. Mm-hmm. Well, I hadn't, I've never slept with anybody. Yeah. I have a testimony of, of not doing that. No, I messed around with people in high school where I touched them in one person inappropriately. Um, but that's the extent of my interaction with people in an in a, inappropriate way. Mm-hmm. And Anyway, so just struggling, you know, with all of this. But on on a Monday night, um, I came. I decided a few weeks ago. It was like the guy that I was talking to about my struggle. He kept saying, "I don't know." To my questions, "I don't know. I don't know." And I'm like, if he doesn't know, maybe those people at first don't would know. Mm. So I made an appointment. I went in, and uh, back then it was Jeff James who talked to me. I, t- I told him, I was like, I know you have the support group and I want to go. <laughs> and he let me go that night. Uh, wow. Two nights later on a Wednesday night, God poured out his spirit on our youth group, including me. And it was a revival. It was not a manufactured thing. The Lord actually mm. paid a visit to me. I don't want to go. I won't go into all those details, but the Lord stopped me in my tracks, essentially. Mm. Um, and I would just say that in some ways, part of the thing that happened was he took me from being a Martha and made me into a Mary. Mm. I was serving, I was helping with the sound at church. I was helping with the youth girl. I was doing all this serving, serving, serving. And the Lord, and I would, so the Lord was, I was like, God, I need to, he was ministering to me and I was like, I need to get up and I need to help. And then the Lord's like, no. You don't need to do any of that. Hmm. Just just sit with me. And that began weeks upon weeks and months upon months of me actually just being quiet. I wasn't spending more time in prayer or spending more time in the Bible. I was going to church and just being with Jesus. Hmm. 
And it was, it was a nine day difference for me. The Lord got my attention. So all in that time frame, in that fall, there was a decision that I needed to make. The the revival group, there were some branching out in relationships. And I was like, Lord, I want to be with them. I want to go with them. And he's like, what I have for you is at first done, not there. So it's your choice. Do you want to go with where, what I have for you? Or do you want to do what you want? I'm like, I want what you have for me. So I stayed with first done. As you know, like we do, we did Living Waters back in the day by Desert Stream Ministries. Yeah, and God just, man, he he used that program to just open me up. Absolutely, you know? yeah, we love that program. And um, anyway, it was it was incredible. Now, mind you, my struggle was still uh, very alive. Um, I think one of the actually a really huge part of my my story in that time frame that I will tell is I had been in a youth in, you know, in a worship service on Wednesday night, a worship service and, you know, been in, intimate with the Lord in worship. And I went back to my trailer, you know, in college and I closed my door and I would get up, dial up on the internet, look up porn. Mm-hmm. And I, I had learned enough through first stone, got the language and I sat there and I was like, what are you doing? And I, I, the language I had was, there's something I'm looking for that I need. It's legitimate. What is that? And I stopped. I don't remember. I turned the computer off or if I stared at the image and I'm like, what am I, what do I want? What do I really want? And the, the thing that I came up with was like, Lord, I want to be held. And I said, but your spirit, I don't know how you're going to hold me. Mm. And I was like, so I, I challenged him. I was like, God, if, if you, if you're big enough, if you're God enough, then you can do it. Mm. And so I just challenged him to do it. Shut my computer down and went on. And I think it was the very next week on a, on a Wednesday night. Blew me away. Hmm. Uh, I was, we were in the gymnasium. That's where the youth group was. And I was standing there during the worship time. We would all just spread out and just worship. Mm-hmm. And then they would minister, you know, however they were ministering, however they felt led to minister things they were praying for or stuff. So I'm just minding my own business, worshiping <laughs> two guys that I knew. One was just a senior in high school. And the other one was my housemate, my uh, roommate, whatever. And they came over to me and they said, the Holy Spirit's told us to do something. And I don't know, I think they described what they were going to do, but they're like, is it okay if we do this? And I'm like, sure. I'm like, I'm open to whatever the Lord wants. They got, one guy got in front of me and the other one got behind me and they sandwiched me in a bro hug Mm. without saying words. I said, Holy Spirit, make them stop, make them stop, make them stop, make them stop. I was freaking out. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you asked me for this and I broke. Mm. I completely broke. I'm Mm. like, I realized in that moment that God didn't care how my nether regions responded. It didn't shame him one bit and it didn't concern him. And I'm like, it was, it was probably one of the biggest things the Lord's ever done for me. Mm. It was powerful. 
completely broke me. And in that, after that season, I I came to know God as Father in a in a new way. Where it's like, well, you really do love me, <laughs> you know. You really do love me, and you you know you you'll you'll reach out to me in, in such a powerful way. And I was mm. like, I, I anyways change. Still addicted. <laughs> mm. The addiction didn't go. I've had a lot. I've had a lot more roadblocks. Anyway, a year later, after that, I went on staff with First Stone and started doing stuff with them, working in and out of porn addiction. Anybody that's worked here is like Joseph sneaky, you know. And I'll, I'll in my testimony, I'm like, yeah, I'm a sneaky guy. I would just sneak around look at pornography. <laughs> And like a lot of shame. It's like, how in the world can you say you're in the ministry and, you know, and even try to make an attempt at having a testimony or telling mm. your testimony and you're still struggling. You don't know what the mechanism is to stop. And um, I'm going to fast forward a number of years back um, to almost 14 years ago. Um, 2010, we had just had health insurance for a while as a staff. And I'm like, you know, I probably should take care of myself. It's been a long time. And uh, so I went to a doctor I'd never seen before. It's kind of a Russian roulette on my part. You know, it's like, which, mm -hmm. which doctor am I going to get? You know? And I was like, Hey, I just, you know, I've hadn't had medical care in a long time and I just need to establish care. And so this guy became my primary care physician. And on that first visit, he observed some characteristics about my body that um, he had seen before. And he asked me some, he's like, have you heard of, I think it was Kleinfelter syndrome is what he would have said. Mm -hmm. He says, have you heard of it? I'm like, no, I, I mean, maybe, I don't know. He's like, well, I'm going to give you some paperwork. I want you to read about it, just some literature and just see how much of it applies to you. I'm going to do some blood work. There's nothing to be concerned about. He's like, but I have to run some, some of this blood work and then I'll see you in a month and we'll talk further. And I thought a month meant it takes a month to get blood work. Now, now I know that it takes, you know, a day or two. Um, but he sent me, he went home with all this, like, here's how, here's how this condition can affect your learning ability. This is how it can affect you know, obviously your mind, your thinking, your body. And I'm like, I, I fell apart. I completely mm. fell apart. I got angry at God. Essentially what the condition is, I, after a couple of months of seeing him, I, I needed to do a genetic test. Men, their sex chromosome is XY, mm -hmm. right? Okay, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm good. Men's XY, women's are XX. My sex chromosome is XXY. Mm. all of them now if you watch like uh in his image documentary uh in him in his image dot movie from american family association there's a dr Cortello said technically my condition like they often say it's an intersex condition she's like honestly that's too confusing it actually shouldn't be in there i think that's put as an intersex condition because genetically it what is that X sure. Mm -hmm. um, or chromosomally. Uh, but this condition affects only men. And all of these men, you know, have testicles. They present as men. 
and uh, it only affects men. So, but what it does is once um, it, it can affect things early on, it can create neurological issues, uh, learning disabilities, things that you might have trouble with. Well, I never was put in remediation in school, but mm -hmm. I struggled. Mm -hmm. um, I struggled in school. I, anyway, um, personally, and and even today, you know, like, I, I can't remember that. Mm -hmm. um, so trying is really hard for me. That stupid thing plus this makes makes things hard. I'm like, it's really hard for me to press in uh, in in learning certain things um but it also causes your testosterone it causes your testes to atrophy mm -hmm. and it causes your testosterone to drop so when i was when we tested my um out of a scale of 300 to 1200 my testosterone was 121 wow and this is the ending part of the story about how in the world can I not get a, a nut off of a bolt? Right. This is why I didn't have strength. And um, it just, my body never developed the strength for that. And uh, the ability to, and then my energy level low, I, I, I took naps all my life, all every day. There are some other factors in there, allergies and, you know, food allergies and stuff too, that has affected all that. But this, this condition has marked my life. Yeah. And, and, and without even knowing it, obviously for all those yeah. years. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, uh, it's so I, when I say I crashed and burned after that, I, you know, I started back into pornography full force. I'm like, I just was numbing out. I couldn't, I just like, I didn't want to deal with it. Mm -hmm. No doubt back then I was like, who do I talk to? And, you know, my counsel at the time is like not many people. And that made me angry because I'd learned the power of, you know, talking about stuff. Like I'm a talker. Right. You know, like right. talking to the Lord. I'm like, I want to talk to people about this, but then, you know, the shame and it's like, so it, for whatever reason that became a challenge to me, I'm like, I'm not going to keep this from people, mm. you know, but early on, I did not want to testify it. I did not want to talk about it, mm. you know, so probably it took me probably three or four years before I actually started testifying about this piece in my life. Um, but the Lord is using it. I would say the, the way that the Lord is using it, it's like I went through all these years of ministry understanding the psychological aspect, the relational aspect of my brokenness, you know, how my unforgiveness toward my dad and my broken relationship with my mother and siblings and all that kind of stuff. And how do you forgive your dad? How do you, how do you make a better relationship with your mother? That's not so enmeshed, mm -hmm. you know, all those things. I was working on those in that time frame. I didn't talk about them, but I was working on all those things. I had forgiven my dad. I'd talked to my dad about, all the painful experiences on the farm between he and I, where I came unglued. Yep. And I'd forgiven him. And he was like, I didn't realize that was going on. I'm sorry. You know, and, and we actually had a great, we've had a great relationship and, you know, putting separation between my mom and I in ways that needed to happen, you know, not, I was like, okay, I don't need to call her every day. And I don't need to take, and actually the Lord had me repent of something 
that I'd done relationship with them, uh, you know, that, I don't know how many you guys talked about it, but mother enmeshed men or emotional enmeshment, you know, kind of yeah. a thing. Or emotional, they call it emotional uh, incest. Incest, yeah. In a bigger phrase, which is more scary. Mm-hmm. And my mom didn't necessarily over relate to me. Like I, she didn't, I didn't become her husband emotionally. But in some cases, you know, she's like, well, dad never, dad never apologizes. He's never apologized to me. Uh, when did you begin to realize that that had been a dynamic in some way? I feel like it was probably early on in my relationship back, back when Jeff James was still here. This was a long, you know, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. He was talking to was like, you know, when you go to the farm, you know, do you hang out with your dad? I'm like, no, he's working. Well, why can't you go to where he's at and just be with him? And I'm like, oh, I could do that. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you don't have to spend all your time with your mom. You can mm. go be with your dad. So the focus back early on was like, how do we, how do we get Joseph to um, be with his dad more and work on his relationship? And then eventually after um, Stephen Black came on, he was helping me actually to actually have conversations with dad about some of the, the pain and the bitterness mm-hmm. and working through that. And, uh, and so that came about. And then the mom conversations, like you need to put more distance between you and your mom. And most men don't call their, their moms every day. Uh, you might, you might put a little more distance between, you know, when you call her. And so I started, once I started doing that, I was like, wait, I noticed that I feel a lot better about myself. You know, I'm like, I don't, <laughs> you know, cause I'm yeah. like not caring, not, not uh, choosing to not take up a burden mm-hmm. of my mom's, you know? And, uh, um, there was an incident where the Lord used a memory, uh, a very painful memory in my life. And I tell people and they're like, they'd laugh, you know, like, that's silly. And I'm like, I know it is. But uh, the Lord used it in, mm. a, in a very powerful hearing, healing experience for me. Uh, mom needed to go talk to dad. Our mailbox was on the farm. It was a mile away from where we lived. Um, and so she's like, you want to go with me? And I'm like, sure. So she's like, hey, do you want to wait by the mailbox for the mailman to come while I go talk to dad? And I was like, sure. So I waited. The mailman came and he's like, do you want a piece of gum? And I'm like, yeah. And he handed me a stick of gum. And immediately I opened it up or when he left, whatever, I immediately I opened up and stuck the whole, gum, the whole stick of gum in my mouth. And the shame came over me. Shame. Hmm. And I'm like, why? You know, everyone's like, why would that happen? Well, because when mom offered me a piece of gum, she would rip it in half Mm -hmm. and she'd give me half and she'd eat the other half. Mm -hmm. And I did not think of my mom in that moment. And I was selfish and I felt Mm. And it bothered me years and years. And so I'd go through living waters and I'd go like, Lord, what is this memory? Why is it so painful? Why? Why? And I'm like, I mean, I understood that I didn't rip it in half. I understood that that's like, but I'm like, Lord, I've prayed about it. I prayed about it. Why is this a problem? Right. You know, I'm like, I, there's a lot of things I understand, but I don't understand why is this, this is not going away. And, um, he's like, 
the way he addressed it was shocking to me. He's mm. like, you need to repent. <laughs> He's like, you have stepped between your mother and your father. So he didn't make it about the shame. Mm. He made it about that I had stepped between them and that I had cut off my dad from being a husband to mom. Mm. And I, I was shocked. And I was like, and I was at a living waters training when the Lord said that to me. Mm. And I went home and I, I said, Hey, I need to have a meeting with you guys. And I sat them down and I said, here's the deal. Here's what the, I told them. I told them the memory. I told them what the Lord said. And I said, from here on, I am never stepping in between you ever again. Mm. It's like any decision, any decision that you guys need to make. It's between you guys. I will not step in unless you ask me, both of you mm -hmm. ask me for, for my help. And that was hard because there wow. were a lot of things. My dad was passive and he just wouldn't. And mom was like, you know, she would, she'd say she wanted something, but then her fear would retract her. And she would, so she had this inability to make a decision like about her health or whatever. And there were so many times I just wanted to be like a mediator and the Lord, I just knew like in my heart, the Lord had done something. Nope. Not ever again. Yep. And I, I held, and the Lord did something in me when I did that. It's like he, he put some kind of a backbone in me. He did something miraculously. I saw it, not like I felt it, but I knew that there was something different once mm -hmm. I repented in person to that. It was powerful. Wow. Yeah. And I said all that, like I, my dad passed away, um, one month shy of his 95th birthday mm. this past October 30th. Really? Just and this year? I, just this year. Oh, and then wow. My mom, my mom passed away in, on February 12th of 21. Yeah. Oh, Joseph, so now, that's a lot. Now I'm a, I'm an orphan mm. and, uh, and this, this experience has, I, I feel I people tell me like when you lose both your parents, you can feel like an orphan. Mm. And for whatever reason, and I think, I mean, it's cool, but I'm like, Lord, what are you going to do? You know, cause it's like that feeling as a kid of being abandoned because I was alone a lot. I felt abandoned. Like if dad would help me, I'm sorry, if dad would help me, if dad would take me to the garden and show me what he wanted to do and me to do in the garden. I was fine when he left to go to do what he wanted to do. I remember one time just bawling, bawling, bawling because I didn't want to be left alone. Mm. And now that dad's gone, especially the first three weeks after he passed, I was like, I feel isolated and alone. Yes. I'm like, God, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> you know? So I, I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't feel so mm. disre dysregulated about it, but uh, it's something new that's on, on, yeah. the, on the horizon for me. Mm. It's like, I don't know. Well, I don't know what you're going to deal with that, but well, it, I'm hopeful. He's been so good to me. Well, and it's so interesting, Joseph is like, I've heard your testimony over piece, parts and pieces, not a lot of your testimony. I remember uh, at, at different conferences, you and I've been at, um, and, and I remember one of them in particular, I don't recall which one it was, 
where you shared the piece about the um uh the chromosome um discovery and yeah. and how that you know how that impacted you and um and and also i think the the thing i remember most is is it sort of being at least as i recall the story and i may have this um off but i i recall there being kind of a sense of oh like that's not the news i wanted to hear but yet it also it kind of it answers some questions too that i didn't even know i didn't understand and and so there's there's that piece of it but as you describe your story though in a in a more full way here I so relate my, I'm the youngest, my next oldest sibling is five years older. And then, you know, my other three are much older than that. My oldest brother is so, so much older than me. Like he turned 80 this year. I turned 58 and he, wow. he has, uh, uh, two kids that are actually older than me. So I have a niece and a nephew who are actually older than I am, but wow. the, um, but where we, I grew up in a kind of in the farm country too, and um, in upstate New York, and and I found uh, pornography in a in a local dump too, you know, and and uh, on construction equipment, you know, that was at a quarry and uh, all that kinds of stuff, and it just seems like there's um, it never ceases to amaze me how I feel like you know, how the enemy is so keyed in to leading kids. Um, into d- the discovery of pornography and things like that in places that you would never even expect it to be, you know, necessarily. Like, it, why would why would I even go looking there? Um, but uh, anyway, the there's those that piece. There's um, my my parents passed away. Now it was in uh, my dad died in 2010. He was um, 88, and then my mom died five years later um, in 2015, and she was 91. And, but that sense when my, when my dad died, I was much closer to my mom in a lot of ways, but my dad and I got to, we we really mended our relationship and had a good relationship for a long time, um, uh, before his passing. But I remember, um, uh, it just, it, it just so, it was such a strong, um, uh, feeling when my dad particularly passed away of, um, a feeling like, uh, like I, I've always felt this unconscious sense of connection to who I, um, who came before me. I'd always, I'd always felt this sense of, of, um, some, something like a, a continuity between my dad and me. And somehow because he's there to my grandfather and, you know, to past generations. But when he passed away, it, it did feel like I, I, I actually, as I'm saying it now, I remember the word was unmoored. Like I, I felt like I was, sort of th- those those ropes that kind of tied me to the dock or um gave me some some sense of of belonging and a sense that I'm I'm um uh secure in a sense like it just felt like those were just lifted off of the the pilings of the pier or whatever and I was just adrift a little bit and and so that I remember that being a a, a really strong feeling particularly with my dad's passing even more than my mom's passing. Um, so anyway, but it was tough going through those two, those, those two very vital, the, the, the death of those two were, were massive, um, disruptions and goodbyes. And, and I know I'll see them again, uh, as you, as you'll see your parents too, but man, th- those are rough waters to walk through. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting about that, there's some other stuff that's happened this year, but one of the things the Lord has really said to me this year is like, I, you know, he actually, before my dad passed, he goes, you know, 
when you lose both, they say, you know, you know that you you'll feel like an orphan. Mm. And I was like, yeah. And he said, well, I'm I'm removing these things because they have been they've come between you and me, and I need you to answer to me. Mm. And it's like, oh, okay. Now, once again, like other people would, other people I know would, there would be a fear of God that would come over them, you know. And I'm like, for me, it's it's not that. I'm like, okay, my experience of the Lord is you're going to lead me into whatever I need to understand. Because if I try to understand it, I'm just going to get really frustrated. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just walk, I my life is kind of with the Lord has been a place of, of periodic discovery, mm-hmm. you know, on his terms. Yep. And, uh, and that's, that's the way it's always been for me. So I, the way I look, it's like, okay, Lord. You know, if you're going to teach me how to hear from only you, then I welcome that. I need, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for that. You know, if, so you're, if you're choosing, you're choosing to actively rest in that. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I have long struggled. And I think this is going to be helpful for some people. I have long struggled with understanding if I really am saved. Mm doubting my salvation has been a huge thing now some people would say well that comes down to you know what your what are your doctrines your your church stands on or whatever and it could be who knows but um i when i retold this i told this story and i've never told it before Hmm. but whenever i was early early on you know i think actually right after we left the mennonite church my mom made this comment to me you know johnny and Johnny and Susie over here, they gave their life to Jesus and they're making straight A's. Why aren't you making straight A's? Wow. And, you know, what, what, what am I supposed to say to that? Right. You know, at 10, 11, 12 years old, what yes. am I supposed to say? Mm-hmm. But that thing has plagued me all my life, mm. you know, because I didn't see any market improvement in any area of my life, that must mean I'm not saved. And Satan has used that to dog me. Mm. So when I told that recently, I'm like, wait, man, that's a powerful thing that that Satan has really held over me. Mm-hmm. There's, I have a whole life of like God speaking to me and me, him helping me, you know, me being faithful all these years. Mm-hmm. It's like, I saw, so I, I feel like there's people, you know, out there that are, have to be like me where they, yeah. they really struggle with that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm like, I don't want to talk. I don't want to share my testimony because I feel unresolved. I I constantly feel unresolved. Mm. But I'm like, I know the Lord's goodness. Mm. And I can talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yep. The other thing, this is probably one of the wrap-up pieces for me as far as, you know, the bigger features. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, the, in that time period of this, uh, between I, when I got Ezekiel 36, and then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on our youth group. That was a period of seven years, almost exactly. Mm. And the Lord showed me, it's like, I have a timetable for you and I'm following it. Like I'm, I'm faithful. Um, in that time frame of waiting, um, I had at least, I'm going to say at least three different groups of people pray Old Testament Joseph prayers over me. 
It's like, I see, jo- oh, I see Joseph in the coat of many colors and they would pray some prayer mm-hmm. and they would pray. They pray off of that theme. Now, what your audience doesn't know is that my given name was Corey Joe Thiessen. Hmm. And the fourth or fifth time, whatever, the first time I got that prayer, a friend was with me. The next time I got that prayer, this friend was with me. So like 10, 10 or so years later, they're with me at a different place. And they start praying this prayer. And I interrupted the prayer and I was like, did you hear that? I looked at my friend and said, did you hear that? And then everybody around is going, why did you interrupt us? And so I told them the whole story. I said, this is this has been a repeated prayer and I don't get it. I don't understand. They're like, have you asked God? I'm like, yes, I've asked God. What do you mean? And they're like, well, let's ask God now. And so they we prayed together, Lord, if you have something in store for Corey regarding this prayer, then would you make it known? And I think it was a week later in support group. Mm. The night was, I don't know what teaching it is. You might, you might refresh me, but uh, it was at the cross. It was a living waters thing. Mm-hmm. And we was, we were exchanging something negative. We, we believed about ourselves. Yes. And we were putting that on the cross and mm-hmm. we were waiting for the Lord to hear to hear what he'd have to say yep so we had that this night at the cross so you know take your thing and leave it at the cross Mm -hmm. and then stay stay there a while and you know physically stay there and say lord do you have anything for me Mm -hmm. and so i did and in my spirit i saw jesus in front of me and he pulled it was like you know it's like him standing in front of me Mm. And he's pulling the lapels of a coat. And he's like, I want you to wear the name I've given you. Mm. And I said, excuse me. <laughs> and he did it again. I want you to wear the name I've given you. And I said, but I like my name. And he said, I know you do. You're not doing this uh, for you. You're doing it for me. And then I said, but I don't want to. And he goes, I know you don't, but you're doing it for me, not for you. And I was like, okay. And I went and sat down at my seat and I was like, that did that really happen? You know, did I, did I really encounter the Lord that way? And I was like, I, I can't talk about this. Mm. So I determined to be quiet. And Laura Lee Stanlake was teaching that <laughs> night and she's like, does anybody want to testify about what the Lord said to them? The room was silent. And I just sat there stubbornly. And then she's like, Oh, come on. Really? Nobody. And the Holy spirit was like, you've got to say something. And I stood up and I told him the story as I told you, mm-hmm. except for I said, I think what I'm saying is the Lord wants if tonight you could start calling me Joseph. Mm. And then I went to my parents and I said, this is what the Lord told me. What do you think about it? And they're like, whatever he wants, we want. And I said, what if, what if I chose that illegal legally? And they're like, it's okay. Mm. We're going to be okay. And so I did that year. Wow. That's a story I didn't, I've never heard you share. And and what's interesting now that I know, Corey is a Irish place name. It means ravine dweller. 
Jo- jo- uh, Joseph means God provides, mm-hmm. uh, or or He lifts up, or He, yeah. It's it's a combination of a couple of things. Well, Corey, you know, I was raised on a farm. We had two or three creeks that ran through. Mm-hmm. Where did Joseph look at the pornography? Mm. Joseph looked at the pornography in the ravines. Mm-hmm. Corey means ravine dweller. Michael. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Yep, man, I have I have God's fingerprints all over me. Yep, now that's so amazing. Grateful. Well, yes, and I love. I mean, I think what you shared is is so key, and I think even um, Holy Spirit prompted about sharing about that that kind of that ongoing struggle of Am I really in the faith? Am I really a follower of Christ? And uh, and on the one hand, as you share, it's like, well, duh, you know. I mean, you you have experienced so much from the Lord. And yet I, I also, I, man, there were many years where I constantly wrestled with, am I in the kingdom? Am I not in the kingdom? You know, for us as Baptists, you pray the prayer once and you're once and done. Right. And, and, uh, there's no losing your salvation. And, and I'm not, it doesn't even matter doctrinally in, in this moment, of course it matters, but in this moment, I'm not even talking about that doctrine. Um, so much as, um, the reality, the reality that I was experiencing, though, and that you experienced, was this this awful feeling and fear and um, anxiety around. But am I really in the kingdom? Am I really a Christ follower? And even when there's evidence that that there's fellowship, that we know Him, that He knows us, and that in our lives are even changing, and the and the fruit is being borne out over time, not in perfection, but over time. Um, even then, uh, we can still at times wrestle. I mean, that wrestling ended for me a long time ago, but uh, and and but it was it was a long kind of arduous thing that, and it was kind of miserable to be under that for a long time. So you're right. Anybody listening to this who can relate to that and feels like you know I they're they're doubting uh, whether they're in the kingdom or not as well. I mean, I think it's important that they know that there's others out there who, uh, and there's many, not just you and me, obviously there's all kinds of people who have wrestled for various reasons. And, and I think that especially when we, when we still succumb and live in patterns of sin as Christians, um, that, that living in patterns of sin, I think is contrary to what God has called us to. Um, and, and, and while Christians still do certainly struggle with sin, living in patterns, I mean, for there were times that I had given myself over, even as a Christian, uh, in my in my rebellion, in my confusion, in my pain, I was just grasping for whatever would dull the pain in the moment, and that became very compulsive and addictive and all that. And and there's a reason why we question in those situations because it's like I don't look like a Christian, I'm not acting like a Christian, to be sure, um, and yet. Uh, you know, the, uh, it is the Lord who has called us and drawn us, and and um, and I think we have to come back to uh, Paul says, check yourself and see if you're in the faith, right? I mean, I think we have to come back and look seriously, like where where is my allegiance? Is it is it really to this sinful behavior or to this person that I've made an idol or this whatever that I've made bigger than God, or or am I really willing to slay that? to follow Christ, you know, and, and that's a, that's, that could be a lifelong journey of, um, of pursuit of laying, you know, taking up our cross daily and following after him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I I would say to add a little bit of context to 
how things are resolving for me in the last several years. We we went on a ministry t- trip in uh, 2020, early 2020, right before COVID kind mm. of swept across the world. No kidding. In Mexico City, and uh, I was we were doing our kind of standard topics that we when we were speaking, and in the t- in one of the topics, I share my testimony, so I shared mm. it. Actually, in the worship that that day, of course, it's all in Spanish. I'm like, I recognize the music. I couldn't even think of the English lyrics. But the the Lord's presence was just pouring out on me. I was bawling and bawling, mm. like, Lord, what are you doing? And one of the guests that came with us separately, but was we knew him. He came over and prayed for me, and I I don't know if he if I remember what he prayed for me in the moment, but I just knew that what he was praying was right. And then my opportunity, I shared my testimony and he was like, oh, I hadn't heard this story. He, he, I hadn't seen him in like for 20 years. Hmm. He came on stage. Like he interrupted the service for a little bit. And he's like, can I come on stage? And he basically pronounced to this whole Hispanic, you know, group that God told him, like, he's going to give, God's going to give Joseph, uh, the game plan but for lack of a better word i can't think of the word mm-hmm. the game plan for how to end end his life well he's going to mm-hmm. give him the plans on how to end his life or finish his his calling well and i was like i knew if like if the lord is like his presence was on me and this declaration i'm like god this has to be you and you know again i'm going to walk into it i'm not yeah you know, i can't force any of this to happen but when i in the middle, after all that was done, I knew that the obstacle to that, now the Lord didn't say it to me, but I knew the obstacle was fear. I okay. knew it yeah. in my spirit. And so, yeah, so like nobody told me that. I knew it. And so I'd be like, Lord, I know it's fear that's in the way, part of the one thing that's in, in the way. And so I just like, I just committed to prayer. Like, Lord, I don't know what the fear is. I don't know what I'm afraid of, but I know that this is part of it. So fast forward, you know, my mom passed in 21. Mm. Um, soon after my mom passed, I lost a really good friend of mine to a sharp disagreement. Um, a friend of over 20 years. Mm-hmm. And then another friend who we'd been friend, friends for 35 years, she mm. passed away from cancer. And then 22, I started a 12-step group. I mean, I went to one that my church was offering. And I, I value, I personally value a change in uh, recovery methods. Mm-hmm. Like if I go through living waters for 20 years, it's like, that's, I get used to it. You yeah. Know, but if you go through right. something new, that you're going to learn something from a different perspective. Much like when I rewrite my testimony, I learn, I learn new things about myself mm-hmm. that I didn't, you know, the Lord speaks to me, but. In that I went through is a 12 step group and I was like, I'm here for addiction to porn and fear. And um, anyway, so then in the inventory time, they, you know, write all these sins from different perspectives. And one of the questions about each of the sins was like, what was your motivation or what was the value? Or I don't remember how it was asked, but why did you do what you did? You know, why do you think you did it? And I was shocked. I got to the end of that thing. I would say over 80%, maybe even over 90, 90% of the time I wrote because I valued connection. I was shocked. 
I was shocked. I was like, mm. how in the world can I consistently say the reason I did that was because I valued connection. And in that moment, I was like, wait a minute, pornography drives disconnection. All it does is tell it when I interact with it, it tells me I'm a, I'm an idiot. You know, mm -hmm. it tells me that I don't have what it takes. It tells me, it tells me all the stuff um, like that. And so after that group, I'm like, wait a minute, wait one minute. I used to have all these lists of why I didn't want to look at pornography that I borrowed, you know, that I read from someone else. Mm -hmm. And they're great lists, but I didn't, they didn't strike a chord with me. Mm. And I finally had my, my reason. And it's interesting. We had a, a Christmas, a, a first done Christmas party, like a big organ, organization Christmas party. And then my family Christmas was this Sunday. Mm. Guess what happened on Saturday, Friday night and Saturday. I was extremely tempted to look at pornography, extremely tempted. Mm -hmm. And I, and I went to, you know, I let my friends know. I was like, I texted them. I was like, Hey, I'm really struggling. Like I, I like, I want to do this now. I don't have access. I don't have any way of doing it, but I want to. Mm -hmm. And then I told, I told my housemate and uh, he, he said, why, why do you think? And I said, honestly, because I value connection, I want to be with these people tonight and I want to be with my family tomorrow because we, you know, we just lost our daddy. I was like, I value connection and I have enough of a track record. I even remember significant times where I was about to be with people and I was tempted to look at pornography and I did, and I was miserable around the people mm -hmm. that I went with because of the shame. I was like, I think, Satan wants me to be miserable. He wants me to be disconnected. And that's why he's doing this. And so I didn't look at pornography and I went to these engagements and I had a wonderful time. Mm -hmm. If I would have looked at pornography, the disconnection yep. would have been huge. Yep. Wow. Um, anyway, so I, I, it's to me, it's been this last year and a half. They've been extremely difficult years, maybe three years. Mm -hmm. But the Lord is, I'm like, no, I don't want to look at pornography. It's like, it's still enticing. Sure. Like I tell my account, I tell my friend, like, it is extremely enticing. Mm -hmm. I get why I like it. I understand completely why I like it and how I could gravitate it in the moment. But I want connection. And that keeps me from having. Yes, it. yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's such a counterfeit to the real thing, and it's like the more we have the counterfeit, the the less we can really engage meaningfully in the real deal, right? And so even when we're around the real thing, we because of shame and um, uh, guilt, whatever. And of course, guilt is meant to drive us to repentance, but or to bring us to repentance, woo us to repentance. But that you know the the shame certainly. Uh, does drive us into isolation, even in a crowd. So that in intimacy with the Lord became just almost exponentially more profound for me. Um, I mean, we were talking about, he was talking about hard things with me, you know, like I said, you know, I went into living waters because, and, and actually what happens, like, I was like, Lord, I want to be with these people. 
And he's like, no, what I have for you is at first time. Well, the thing that he had for me was living waters. Mm -hmm. I was, I was not yet in living waters. And he's like, I want you to be in it. And by choosing that, I didn't know it at the time, but if I had gone with that group, things started falling off the rails in that revival. Mm -hmm. They were getting mixed up in some weird doctrines yep. and some weird stuff that I, and, and it became, there were a lot of youth after, like whenever I started saying, Lord, I'm choosing what you have for me. There were a lot of youth that got disillusioned. There was some stuff that happened that I can, the Lord preserved me. Yeah. It was right. almost like it became my ark. Mm -hmm. He preserved me from a lot of destruction that happened around me. It was, it was incredible. And some of that was, um, I remember distinctly, it was a whole church per, uh, prayer service. Mm -hmm. um, and I became very aware. It, it was like, just, I'm just saying like the intimacy of the Lord, I became so aware that um, there, there was a song back then in, in those days that um, I think the Pensacola revival was happening then. And there was that song, the river of God sets my feet to dancing. The river oh, right. Of God right. Fills my heart with cheer. And, uh, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so that, that language is on my heart. And I, I remember, and I, I saw pictures on, even before all that, the Lord had given me visions of things. And so I had, I just had some profound experiences with the Lord, even prior, even when I was really struggling and not mm -hmm. in anywhere near a revival. The Lord asked me, are you ready? And I knew I had this picture in my head. I knew what was conceptually about to happen to me. And I saw myself standing in a dry riverbed. And he's standing next to me and he baptized me into a dry riverbed. No water. And this song, you know, not, it wasn't playing in the moment, but that this awareness of the river of God. And I was being baptized into a season of dryness. And that's what happened. The season of dryness. And it's like, but the Lord's like, I'm with you. Like, I am putting you in this and I'm with you. And there was a later time period where I became distinctly aware that I was not going to hear him. He told me, you're not going to hear me. And it's going to feel more distant, but I'm here. And he did it through a picture. It was a, a little mini vision, I guess. I, it's not like I was caught up anywhere, but I just had this picture. And I just like it today, I just remember it as, as if I was there. I saw this boulder. It was a white room with gravel floor. White room, huge boulder. And he's standing in front. And he goes, I'm going to go behind this boulder and pay attention. And he's like, what do you observe? And I was like, I hear your voice. And I'm, he said, yes, but I don't see you. He goes, you're right. This is going to be this way for a while. So to just know that I hear you. And so that, that all started with that, with, I mean, really the revival, but that after it was all after that profound affection, I became, I became aware of his nearness, even though experientially there was a lot of things that were becoming distant for me. And, uh, you know, sometimes people call those dark nights of the soul. I don't know what it was. Uh, 
I, I don't have a name for it other than it was a dry it was a dry season for many years and it's like okay i'm i'm still struggling but i'm still walking i'm still struggling i'm still walking still can you know whenever i had enough of it i'm going to confess my sin i'm going to practice james 5 16 17 i'm going to i'm going to come out and say what i've done let's get kevin and eyes on my phone let's do this you know let's let's keep trying and you know those are external things are good and i needed them i was also finding like i i'm really just i like skating around the edge of the park and see how close to the edge i can go and and i tell people like when you know, like here when you're starting out with kevin and i's or ever accountable or whatever you're still going to want to like see how far the edge you can go and it's like part of that really is learning there's no reason to be I'm like yeah i mean you're going to learn how sinful you are and uh but it teaches you putting putting it in place teaches you about who you are and so there's no reason to be ashamed whenever you do cross that line i mean like you will be ashamed but don't be don't be surprised yeah that, and don't, and don't that, wallow that that, that that tool is the fail safe for you yes yeah and don't wallow your heart, in your shame right your heart is still very active and alive in that yeah yeah is we and i think of like what Cy rogers um i oftentimes would hear him teach about this idea that god is is continually calling us when you fall down and get dirty come back to me because i'm the only one who can clean you up and and so for those listening who are wrestling with a mindset or a somehow a belief system that they um, if they failed again or if or if their if their body has an unwanted reaction to something sexually uh, or it, 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 just an involuntary reaction we can feel so much shame that it actually drives us away from God and and what I want to communicate here and I and I think this is part of it too is. God, God is, um, he, while he doesn't wink at sexual sin, he knows it damages us. Uh, and, and that's part of why Jesus went to the cross amongst many, for many other things too. But he also is a God who, as we are wrestling and struggling, even when we fall down and we're getting back up again, he is for us and he is desiring to see us whole and to, and to see us walk in uh, in genuine freedom, he's not kicking us every time we fail and we fall. He, so, so I think that um, I mean that's something I just want people to kind of pick up and really understand from your story as well, because what you're describing is something similar to what I experienced, which was a long journey of failure with pornography, the sexual acting out with other people. That was a massive uh, addiction for me for a long time that that broke off. And then, you know, but per pornography lingered for a long time after that chronic masturbation still, even after pornography, you know, that was still like, oh my gosh, how do I get rid of this now? I can, I've stopped sleeping other people. I'm not looking at pornography, but now this is, this is still lingering. And, and so the, but my, again, my point is, is that we have a God who who um, wants us to come to Him when we fail and we fall, and uh, and He wants us to also lean on Him when we're wrestling and struggling. Like you, you gave a great example of reaching out to your friends and saying, "Man, I really want to act out right now." Like that's exactly what we should be doing: is reaching out and confessing what we what our flesh is craving. Even while our new man is saying, "No, we don't want to go in that direction," but our flesh is still feeling that. We need to understand that God is for us and he's willing to 
um, get into the mess with us and 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 draw us out of those places, uh, and and isn't expecting us to clean ourselves up enough to finally come to Him. Yeah, and I would say, like honestly, Gary, I I was not aware of this until probably the last two or three years, two for sure. I, I mean, I kind of think it was the people around me, just the seriousness of sin and the weightiness there, how they perceive the weightiness of sin. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't carry that same um, conviction in my heart. And that's what caused me to doubt my salvation. I don't carry the same conviction that they do. And the way they talk about sin is so, so dark and I don't see it that way yet. So I had so much shame that I just, I would, wouldn't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, I think the, the, one of the things, and it's like, it's not a formula. I can't tell you, this is like, if you follow these things, this is what's going to happen. Right. I can't, that would be a huge mistake on my part, but the Lord unfolded like this shame that you have. The, there's a fear that's keeping you from opening up. And I will say one of the things that's helped me, you know, I work for an organization, you know, First Stone Ministries, you know, we do our own thing, but like I came across, uh, and I'll go ahead and mention it. I came across an online group. I came across a podcast actually. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of it. Drew Boa. Yeah. 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 Husband material. Yeah. Husband material. Across, yep. I was I was looking for something mm-hmm. in a podcast, and and I don't remember what it might have been arousal. I don't remember what it was, but mm-hmm. I listened to it. I was like, "Wow, that was really good." Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that they had an online support group. I just heard their podcast and thought it was amazing. Yep. And then I was like, "Hey, I shared a podcast with somebody," and they were curious and found out they had a support group and you know online group or forum or whatever mm-hmm. but when i found after six months later i found out they had a forum I'm like oh i'm an introvert i'm like no no i like real people i don't want to do this so i just looked down like oh but it's free i mean you could do that so i got in there uh, this is a there's a point here yeah, yeah yeah i got in there and the vulnerability and i've encountered it i've been around first stone ministries for 25 years mm-hmm. now I've encountered vulnerability in small group and I've heard people talk and I'd get around people. I'm like, Oh, I'd be envious. I'm like, Oh, I want to go do that. I want to do that live in program Mm -hmm. or I want to do this or whatever. I got, I got in that forum and I'm like, you know, they teach them like, if you're going to say something really raw and and sensitive, you might put at the top trigger warning in case, you know, just prep yourself that this is going to be tricky, Mm -hmm. a tricky thing that I'm writing. And so many times I'd read them, I'm like, it feels like I'm about ready to read porn. And it would resolve like God met them in at the end of it. And I'm like, what what just happened? Mm-hmm. What I'm like, I'm like, I was about to read something that was going to trigger me, and then I found the Lord in it. And and they were asked, some people would ask, like, hey, have you experienced? Um, this and these men and and I'm like, I have not encountered. I mean, I've I've not encountered as a rule, and, and I've talked to other people. This is a very good men's group. Mm-hmm. It's not. I mean, there's some. There's in every group. There's like fringe people that sure. will try to try to 
divert you off to the side, but they have a zero tolerance rule. In yep. that. So if they find yep. out that somebody's doing that, they kick them out. That's so they right. They talk to them mm-hmm. and they kick them out. Yes. So I haven't had anything and it, it's been amazing. So what I'm about to say, what I'm saying is I saw vulnerability. They also teach them in, there's no advice giving. Men love to give advice. Mm. They're, you practice empathy. Practice empathy. So if somebody shares something, say, oh, I'm sorry, that was really difficult. I can relate to that. Mm -hmm. And that must have been hard for you. And it's like, so they're teaching these men how to be empathetic. And I'm like, wait a minute. They shared something really vulnerable. And I'm like, I can relate to that. And I need to share it. Now, the introvert in me was like, I don't want to share it with them online. I want to share it with my real people in real life because I want to connect. Mm. And so last year, last year 22 yeah last year i started taking the vulnerability that i was learning in husband material and applying it in real life that's awesome and that that was what the lord started to use in getting me out from underneath fear Mm. and and i was sharing extremely vulnerable stuff like the hug story Mm mm-hmm and I was sharing it in real life with real people and saying, have you experienced this? Mm-hmm. And some people are like, no, I haven't experienced it. But that doesn't make me love you less. And there was some really raw stuff that I wouldn't really necessarily want to share on here. Sure, sure. But like the Lord, the Lord has done, it, it's been that. And it's to me, it's a vulnerability piece. It's, it's, it's interesting the Lord has used... The, the, that the Lord's done in the last year. And, and I, I'm like, you know, I, I wanted to be cleaned up. You know, I felt like I had to be a certain way in order to come to the Lord. Um, and the Lord has actually moved some of those things where I've noticed, you know, like last, was that, um, was that, no, this year we went to a, a conference um, somewhere. It doesn't matter where. And I was, somebody had asked me privately to share my testimony and Laura Lee was in the room with mm-hmm. me and I was sharing my testimony and I'd look over to Laura Lee every once in a while. And it, I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit, but I became aware. I, I was like, why am I looking at Laura Lee? And afterwards I realized I was looking for her approval for my mm. story. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, she does, nobody gets to give approval for my story. Mm-hmm. And I, I realized it's like, this is another, yet another layer of fear where I thought, you know, people that are like, you know, it could have easily been you in the room and I see mm-hmm. you as a leader, mm-hmm. you know, me, the, the quiet introvert at first stone, I'm going to look at all leaders as being more, having more authority, more, their lives are more put together. Mm-hmm. And I would, you know, share my testimony and then I'd scurry off into a corner and and go, okay, I'm done. And I'm glad I did that, but I don't measure up. Yeah. And the Lord, the Lord just used that. (laughs) There's several things that I can't talk about, but the Lord used some stuff that's going on lately Mm -hmm. to, to get me to where it's like, no, you have other people between you and me. Mm. And it's just you and me. Mm-hmm. You're not answering to them. Mm-hmm. So tell your tell your story and let it stand on its own. Mm. That's good. 
That's is good. that helpful? Yeah, I, I think that's... I'm attacking I, a lot of stuff, but I yeah. feel like the Lord's just really done a lot in that. And, yep. I, and I, it's incredible. Well, I, and I think, I mean, yeah, you shared a lot of things um, that I have not known um, up to this point about your story, but I... I definitely believe that so much of um, so many of the points and pieces that that you've spoken to uh, really connects with where people are at, you know, where many people are at, and certainly those, yeah. you know, a number of those that'll be listening and or watching this podcast. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Joseph, thank you for being so vulnerable. And one of the things we value around here in, in a huge way is vulnerability because. We feel like that's largely, frankly, almost non-existent. Uh, it needs to really be breathed back into the church again um, in a way that is that's genuine and authentic, and uh, you know, not full of pride, shame, and fear, uh, but where we're just we're willing to face those things and speak the truth, uh, regardless uh, about ourselves and about our struggles and. And so you've done that courageously. I appreciate that so much, Joseph. And for those who are who are watching um, or who have joined us and listening in on this podcast, uh, thank you so much for being here. Again, whether you've found this through Love and Truth Network or Transforming Congregations, we're just grateful that you're here and we are hoping and praying. We prayed before we started the podcast that the Lord would use our story, that he'd use this discussion to be meaningful to people tuning in. And so I hope that this has been meaningful for you, that this gives you a spark of hope or maybe a spark spark of direction uh, for your own life in your own context. Uh, but we're grateful that you're here. And if you're tuning in for the first time to Love and Truth, the Love and Truth Network podcast, we just want to invite you back to another episode in the future. God bless you. Joseph, again, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us for this Love and Truth Network podcast. To listen to or watch future episodes, please check us out at loveandtruthnetwork.com forward slash podcast. Also, you can subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And we look forward to seeing you in a future episode.